What is going on, Ethos Clipper Nation? Coming at you on a Tuesday evening after the Los Angeles Clippers fall to the Miami Heat in a game that, oh boy, uh, it was a great comeback again. The comeback clips were in fashion, but then the Clippers fell. And once again, an injury is back on the table. First, it was Kawhi Leonard ruled out right before the game with illness. And then it was Paul George grabbing that hammy and not a good thing to see at all. And so I figured, you know what? I got to bring back my friend who is very optimistic about this team. Always has a great pulse on what's going on here. Justin Wilson at LA Clippers Film back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. What's up, JW? What's going on? Happy to be back. Um you're right. Uh, you're right in the optimism. Uh, I try to keep it. I try to keep it light, but uh, it's tough these days. Yeah, it is tough, and, and it feels like we finally got this team together, healthy. And it's just a couple weeks ago I said on this podcast, I'm not going to call this team a title contender because they can't stay healthy. And then they just sucked me in. Where Kawhi and PG came back, the team looked really good, and I said, "All right, this is what we're looking for. This is exactly what we need to see." And this team was clicking, Batum was looking good, then Batum got hurt, then Kawhi was ruled out before yesterday's game, and then PG has hamstring issues, and if I know anything about hamstrings, this is not going to be a one-game thing. I would be stunned if he plays in either of these two games in the back-to-back starting on Thursday, Um, but we'll obviously see. I mean, it just feels like you want to make sure that this is not an injury you come back from and re-aggravate so it's even longer. I mean, hell, Bradley Beal came back today from hamstring issue and a hamstring issue and he got hurt and he didn't come back into the game. So he re-injured his hamstring, PG re-injured his hamstring. Um, so let's start there. Let's start with PG um, before we get into the actual game itself and go into some of the processes and what's going on. But the loss of PG what would this mean for the Clippers? Because the issue here is, and it's part of the problem, is that Ty Lu has been experimenting with different lineups. And that's why we're not seeing at certain times, we're not seeing Robert Covington on the floor because he knows he's gotten Robert Covington. He's not playing team man with certain uh, lineups. He's going small ball a lot, but he's experimenting. But that was with a healthy team. So it feels like this just sets the Clippers back three or four steps from where they are right now without PG. How do you read where this team goes without Paul George with who knows how long he's going to be out for? Well, it's definitely tied to how long Kawhi is out. I I, I think like, you know, hopefully this um, illness that Kawhi Leonard has isn't his, doesn't keep him out for too long, but it just really sucks because I think we were catching Paul George at a really sweet spot as far as his production this season is concerned. I mean, his last 10 games, he was 27 points a game, six rebounds, seven assists on 46, 40, 92 shooting. So like he was really rounding into form and you know, this is something that this is the same injury that kept him out for a couple of weeks, not not too long ago. So, um, I don't you you hit it right, you hit it right on the head in that this doesn't feel like an injury that's going to be yeah, he'll be ready to play for this back to back or a 
really any of the next, what, three to five games at least. And so with the West being this tight and us on this downward trend right now, it's tough. It's tough. And um, I know a lot of um, fans are kind of questioning some of the decisions that Tyloo has made this year. But Paul George's injury um, to his hamstring is precisely why he um, is making some of these puzzling decisions because he almost never has his full allotment of players. And, you know, you like to, you would like to have like your full roster in order to make certain decisions. And um, he hasn't had that benefit this year. And, you know, I don't, I don't know where he goes. He's been a very tough guy to read as far as like what he's looking for. And so um, he's like this year, he's leaned super duper small. I mean, we've seen lineups with Paul George at the center recently. So with Paul George not in not in this lineup and um, I, I, I would assume Robert Covington may get a look for 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 a little bit but um i don't know i we'll see we'll see i know he's trended really really small but um hopefully Kawhi is back soon to stem me some of this and um we can keep the trains moving in the right direction by the way this is part of the problem with losing games like they did against indiana is that when you have a team that's healthy you need to win games when you have the opportunity and so you're messing around obviously with rotations and I understand at some point why you're doing that because you want to see what works. You want to get this team ready for the postseason and you need to figure it out before you actually roll it out most likely in the postseason. But every game really matters and every game matters even more when your team is healthy mm-hmm. because now you're sitting a half a game up on Portland, Phoenix and Golden State and you are in danger of possibly dropping in that play-in tournament. And people that have been listening to the podcast know that I have harped Every single pod for the last month, you absolutely cannot be in that play-in tournament. You will not win the NBA title if you're in the play-in tournament because of the wear and tear that you're going to put on Kawhi and PG, not only down the stretch, because that means you're trying to fight your way out of it, but in those one or two games, the amount of minutes you're going to put on those guys' legs to get ready for the actual postseason. It's, it's brutal. So you need to get out of that spot, and that's why losing those games that the Clippers have against teams that they have no business losing to, I mean, you lose a game against Orlando, which you shouldn't have. You lose a game against Indiana, which you shouldn't have. Lose a game against Utah, who's fine. Sacramento, it's just you're losing games you shouldn't. So now with Paul George, I mean, you would let's say it's a two-week injury, and I think that may be a, about right, but it's obviously a total guess. But if it's a two-week injury, he's missing possibly eight games if we're looking at a return on January 20th at San Antonio. And you're missing games against Utah, Philly, Denver, Dallas, Atlanta, and then Denver again. So it, it, this is a tough stretch for the Clippers. They had yeah. they they had a very easy schedule, relatively speaking, out of the gate. But I think they have one of the hardest schedules left in the NBA, if not the hardest. So losing PG hurts, but I, I do wonder, like you said, in terms of the lineups. If this means perhaps Ty Lue is forced to go to more traditional lineup, which means maybe playing Zoo a little bit more, maybe playing Roko, Team Man getting a few more minutes, maybe this is beneficial in that Ty Lue kind of has his hand forced to play guys that he hasn't been playing more often. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, um, those are, especially Terrence, that's somebody who probably, in my opinion, should be playing more regardless. But yeah, hopefully. And, um, you know, 
the entire Clippers um, ethos, no pun intended, is is revolves around Kawhi Leonard, right? And so the reality is, and this is where part of this is just like unfortunate bad luck. He's only played 16 games this year, and it's been 16 disjointed, truncated games in which there was a couple of games where he did where he didn't start, and he's only playing 20 minutes, then he misses 15 straight, then he comes back and then sprains his ankle and misses some more time there. And I say all of that to say that the, the pr- progress isn't linear. So some of these games are just natural, right? You're just simply not going to beat all of the teams that you're going you're supposed to beat every single time, right? Like like that some of that is just built-in nature of an 82 game regular season. The unfortunate part for the Clippers is that this is happening in December and now early January instead of like late October, early November, you know what I mean? And so basically we're having our ebbs and flows of the regular season, but we're having it at a way later starting point because quite frankly, Kawhi Leonard wasn't ready to start the year um, due to his ACL recovery. So um, that, that part of it is unfortunate. That part you can't control. And, you know, thankfully Kawhi Leonard kind of, at least offensively looks to be himself. Um, But yeah, those are games that you would love to win, but some of those are just, you know, you're, you're as you try to become the team that you want to become, you're going to take your bumps along the way. It's just unfortunately, we're taking those bumps at a later point um, in the season because of how we started the season with Kawhi Leonard's progress or lack thereof. But um, to your point, we definitely uh, could stand to see a little bit more of a traditional lineup with um, Paul George out um, in this in near future. And more lineups that are kind of accentuate um, some of our strengths. You know what I mean? Like we we're, we're we're a team that needs what Terrence Mann provides, and we definitely need what Zoo provides. And you know, playing Zoo, in my opinion, thirty some minutes is is great. And closing with him is even more important. And so we'll see what these what this next these this stretch that you alluded to is really tough. We'll see how Ty handles it. So Reggie Jackson, PG, Kawhi, Mook, and Zoo have been the five starters. Who would you now put into the starting lineup in place of PG? Because I know T-Man got the start in place of Kawhi when he was hurt. But part of me thinks maybe you start Kennard um, at the two in place of PG. What do you think? Um, are we doing without Paul George and Kawhi? Or no, just no. Paul L- let's pretend it's Reggie Jackson and at the one. Kawhi's at the three. Marcus Morris at the four, and Zoo at the five. Who's replacing PG at the two? Oh, I I definitely just throw Terrence there. Okay. Um, he's someone who can play the two, the three, the one, the four, and um, I I just think any way to get him on the floor more is a positive. We're a team that is struggling right now, and they get shots at the rim. He's someone who lives in the paint and lives at the rim. We're some we're a team that's struggling in terms of foot speed at this point in time, and Terrence Mann is someone who's supremely athletic. So like. You know, he is we need we desperately need what um he provides. And so um I definitely just lean in his direction and just what whatever whatever whoever is out in terms of the perimeter guys, I'd probably just lean Terrence to replace him. 
interesting. My only thinking with Luke is because a it puts him on the floor with Kawhi a little more, um, so that draws some attention away from Luke and allows you to have that three point threat, and perhaps gets him going um, offensively, which is something that has not been the case over the last week or so. Yeah, he's been struggling lately. Um, I think he's taken like four or five shots over like the last three games. His teams have tried to like really lock in on him. But the real hesitancy um, with Luke lately has been the other side of the floor. Yeah. Um, if you re if you rewatch some of these games, it happened again against Miami last night. I mean, they're they're seeking him out, and they're they're for lack of a better term or phrase, they're cooking him. They're cooking him. And, um, you know, when when and he's improved as a defender, but he's never going to be that stout defender that teams just do not target. And so um, I think with a player that has those kind of like deficiencies, it may be better for him to be in more intermediate lineups as opposed to someone like Terrence, who I think is more likely to be able to hold his own, you know, um, I think down the stretch versus Boston, um, you know, uh, Jalen Brown just completely sought him out. And if you watch the fourth quarter against Indiana, part of the reason why we couldn't get stops is because um, Halliburton was just picking on um, Luke Kennard. And so um, it's I, I he's struggling a little bit offensively, but I think he'll find his way. It's the other end of the floor at this time. That's kind of concerning. And, and that's been the, the rap all along is that the defense hasn't been there the last couple of years, which is part of the reason why he hasn't played in the postseason. Um, but he's made up with it with his offense, especially to start the season. And it kind of seemed like his defense was getting better um, and he was in the right places to start the year. Now it really does feel like the, thought process on Luke kind of ebbs and flows with fans. And, and what they're seeing now is that he is struggling defensively. And if he's going to struggle like this in a playoff series, he's unplayable. And, well, and, and we're look, one second, and we're looking for guys to kind of put on the chopping block because the Clippers have so many dudes. You just wonder now is Kennard an option to possibly trade? I know there's been a lot of talk earlier on that no way, but now is it possible <laughs> to get rid of him knowing that he possibly can't play in a playoff series? Curious to get your thoughts because I know you're about to interject and say, no, you can find a way for him. No, no, no. Actually, what I was going to say is that um, he should not be a staple to play in a playoff series. Yeah. And he definitely should never be a staple as far as like an untouchable guy that can't be traded. Truthfully, the only guys, in my opinion, who are staples in a playoff series are Paul George, um, Kawhi Leonard, and and Nick Batum, and probably Zoo. Yeah, um, those are the four guys who, like, irrespective of opponents, um, those guys are going to play. They're they're good enough, and their ability, their strengths are what they are. Um, everybody else, I'm. It's way more like. Who who are we playing? Um, what does that team do? Um, what and how does what we do fit into the schematics of that series? So, um, yeah, I would never label Lucas had a tremendous season to this point, all things considered. But I think I would not say he's untouchable in a trade. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say most of the roster would wouldn't be untouchable in a trade, especially when you're 21 and 18, right? And your goal is to win a title. 
then you have to examine and explore almost everything. You know what I mean? And that may include trading Luke at some point. That may include starting Luke at some point. Um, it's it's all about um, just staying fluid and staying flexible. And that's something I think we'll see more of from um, Ty Lue as the season wears on as we get to the halfway point. Let me ask you something because you watch a lot of Hawks basketball. Let's say – that for oh for example, <laughs> let, let's let, let's say that uh, they call up Atlanta and they say we'll take John Collins and we'll give you Luke Marcus Morris and Amir Coffee. Would you do it? Yes, yeah, I, I, I'd definitely do it. I don't know why Atlanta would, but I definitely I definitely would for the Clippers' sake. Definitely, um, if for nothing else. The, the I think one of the main issues long term for the Clippers is that Ty Lue wants to play small, but I don't know if we have a small ball center on the roster currently who's big enough and also athletic enough to make those lineups viable. Um, I'm kind of afraid of like getting into a series where we're playing like the Pelicans or the Grizzlies or something. And these young athletic teams are just blowing by our Marcus Morris's blowing by our um, Robert Covington's of the world. And so in that scenario, yeah, I think John Collins would be a huge addition to what we uh, would be trying to do. And um, he's it's a huge void that he'd fill. Yeah, that's that's why I brought it up, by the way, because I, I said in the last podcast that they need to get somebody that's bigger um, and not somebody that is going to be someone that's going to take away Zoo's minutes uh, per se, but someone that's going to be a part of your lineup that you can play alongside Zoo, but also you can play in those small ball lineups because it seems like Ty Lue is really obsessed with those small ball lineups right now. And he's, got, I mean, he's at the point where he's playing five guards together and he needs to have some of those guards taken away. And some of those guys who don't fit into the small ball taken away, it seems like. So that, that's why I bring up John Collins. I'm curious to see where that goes. But I'm glad you brought up Luke Kennard and all that. I'm glad we had that conversation because it, he's a guy that really has him polarizing. And he's got, had his ebbs and flows. He's gone and had some great stints with the Clippers um, this season. But now he's got getting his defense exposed. And I've said a lot on this podcast that guys can be good in the uh, regular season. Like, Everyone was going crazy over Musa Diabate, and I was on this podcast being like, guys, chill. He's not going to be a guy that's in the rotation come playoff time. And people are saying that he needs to be in the rotation once everybody's healthy. It's like, no, no, he doesn't because the Clippers have too many guys, and you can't give everybody playing time. And you need to get to the point, which Ty Lue's already at, where he's going nine or ten men at, at most each game, and he's treating it kind of like a playoff game. And you need to have your core guys that you're willing to, willing to trust. I'm, I'm just not sure if Luke is going to be one of those guys, if he's going to be crushed defensively and your team is really good defensively and the Clippers have one of the top five defenses in the NBA, but it's been garbage in the last week or two. And part of that, obviously, like you said, it's been Luke. So I'm curious to see where they go with him going forward. Yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely think that someone like Luke Kennard, um, he may be polarizing to some, but like he's a really, really talented shooter who, you know, can play very well off of stars because of that. But I don't think we should be getting attached to anyone yeah. as it pertains to um, trying to build out a team that's going to play um, in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just, that's just a bridge. I'm not, that's just too far. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but to you, to, to what you were to what you just said 
Um, I think our biggest issue, um, and maybe we'll address it in a trade here in a couple of weeks, is that we've got to, I, I, I said it on Twitter not too long ago, we've got to help Tyloo out. Right now, we have a rotation where we have like four guards who all, for various reasons, probably came into this season expecting to play. And so that's Reggie Jackson, that's John Wall, that's Norm Powell, and that's Luke Kennard. And so you're, you you have four guards who all expect to play and probably all should play, at least to varying degrees. Um, and that's, and you, you're naturally going to skew extremely small if all four of those guys have to play on every single night. And that's where you get guys like Robert Covington and Terrence Mann being squeezed because these four guards who all have been established guys in this NBA, very proud guys who've made a whole lot of money in this NBA, in this NBA, like they're gonna, they need, they, they have to play. And I think what Tyloo is doing is I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Sometimes you have to let things fail so that you can bench certain guys without um, having to um, without having to you know wound a locker room. So you can't just up and say. I'm going to take John Wall out of the rotation. It doesn't quite work that way. You pursued him in free agency with the idea that he's coming off of like big time surgeries. He hasn't played in a while. You were, you were going to give him more than like 35 games before you made a decision on him. And, and so stuff like that is what um, Ty Lue is balancing. And I think we're, we're getting to a point where Ty Lue will make certain decisions soon, but yeah, the, the, the front office put all of these guards on the team and all of these guards have the expectation of playing. And we all thought a consolidation trade was coming to help in that regard, but it hasn't came. And now you have a situation where you have four guards that need to play. And I think just taking one of those, out, those guards out of the rotation would really balance the roster out long-term. Yeah, and I think part of the reason why a consolidation trade didn't come was because the Clippers just couldn't stay healthy. But now that that they're healthy for the most part, but except for the guys that you don't want to be hurt in PG, Kawhi, and Batum, I mean, those are three staples at your forward position um, that you then have to kind of, you're forced to play these guards. And I was going to ask you, like, isn't it up to Ty Lue to kind of just not play one of those guards? But you bring up a good point that you don't want to fracture the locker room and you brought guys in for certain roles. And so you can't go and just bench John Wall. And so that, now the question is, and it kind of leads me into the whole John Wall thing, and it'll carry over into the discussion about Terrence Mann. Do you go ahead and do you trade John Wall? Is he the guy that you get rid of? Because it, it feels like you can't have Norm, John Wall, Reggie Jackson, and Luke. Like you, I think that that's at least one too many and it doesn't make sense when you have man batum morris um Kawhi, pg zoo that all want to play it just it just feels like it's at least one too many yeah it is it is one too many and i think just flipping like for instance 
Robert Covington for John Wall in the rotation would help a lot, in my opinion. And if you just took some and if you just took some minutes from like Reggie Jackson, you just took a little bit of minutes from like Marcus Morris. They're they're at stages of their careers where they don't need to be playing like 30, 32 minutes. I think um, on a game in the recent road trip, we saw uh, Marcus Morris play like 36 or 37 minutes or, or in one of these games like that just shouldn't happen. And so um, I think stuff like that um, is is just obvious fixes that Ty Lue can go to. And yeah, taking John Wall out of the rotation is kind of obvious, but that's it's like the elephant in the room. Um, and, you know, at some point, Ty is going to have to address it. But at the same time, you you know, you can't just outright do that. Um, you didn't you you pursued John. Like I said, you pursued John Wall and you you pursued him with the knowledge that he was not going to be whatever it whatever it was that he was going to be. It was going to take longer than 30 something games, which may at which may beg the question, why did you pursue him in the first place? But that's a totally different conversation. Um, but in regards to who you would take out of the rotation, out of that guard glut, it'd have to be the guy who just who has trouble shooting. Um, last night, there was a sequence in which um, <laughs> it was like in the fourth quarter where John Wall, it may have been the third quarter, but definitely in the second half where John Wall has the ball and like he just goes downhill without 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 a lane and just completely barrels his way into Bam Adebayo's chest, turns the ball over, he trots back, he's matched up with Tyler Hero, he falls asleep, and Tyler Hero just bangs a three. And so like he's he's just been too volatile. And I don't want to rag on John Wall because on on aggregate he hasn't been awful he's just the worst guard that we have out of our rotation and if you're looking to make adjustments to get better players more times such as like terrence Mann, the easiest way to do that is to just take john wall's minutes out of the rotation and just redistribute them in a more like efficient way so do you think it's fair to say that at this point knowing what john wall is going to bring to your team in terms of that burst and the ability to get into the painted area and his ability to kick you can we can now look at it having seen him for as long as we have and say you know what cool that stuff's nice but it, it feels like it's not necessary with this team and that there are other guys that probably should be playing instead of him is that fair well it's more than fair i would i would consider it accurate yeah. um you know he as the season is wore on, even those things that he's great at hasn't been that prevalent. You know what I mean? Like he's actually not producing in transition with nearly the efficiency and productiveness that he was earlier in the season. And his field goal percentage at the rim has kind of plummeted. It's went down each and every month. So yeah, it's definitely, he's not even being, he's not even as effective as he used to be in the areas that he, you know, we, we, we've come to expect him to be good in. And so that, that, that right there kind of shows you that we kind of need to just lean away from him. I think, over the month of December, he was 14 for 31 on catch and shoot threes, which is really good. It's probably an outlier of a month for him, right? I don't think he's that good of a catch and shoot three point shooter. But what it goes to show you is that 
he's turning into a catch and shoot guy for us, which anyone could have predicted because you're playing off of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And if John Wall is becoming a catch and shoot guy for us, we just have guys on the team who do those things better and more responsibly. Yeah. And I wonder, and it kind of leads us into the whole zoo and man thing, because you look at yesterday's game, um, the Clippers lose by 10. T-Man's a plus six, which means that they were minus 16 with him off the floor. And Zoo was zero, which means that the, the Heat were plus 10 without Zoo on the floor. The Clippers were minus 10 without Zoo. So you look at those two guys, and Zoo played 34 minutes, which is what we've been saying in the last like couple podcasts I've had, where I've been saying this 25-minute nonsense needs to go. Like, he needs to be playing like 30 to 35 minutes because he has that impact on the defensive end, and he helps you out with rebounding. Because Clippers can't rebound the damn ball when you have Powell, Wall, Kennard, Batum, and PG as your bench unit. Like, that's not good enough. Um, so you need to have Zoo out there a lot. And then T-Man in 23 minutes is the plus six. Like, those guys need to play, and... T-Man barely plays in the fourth quarter yesterday. I know he got the start, but for a starter to only play 23 minutes is not good enough. So uh, I don't know what what exactly my question is on this. I guess it's how <laughs> how do you get Man and Zoo into the lineup more and why isn't why isn't Ty Lu recognizing something that seems so simple to us which you would think he would know as well that their teams are better I mean, this team is better when Zoo and T-Man play. I don't understand. I mean, part of it is the function of the roster and having just one center on the roster. Um, but a big part of it is, like I said, um, you have four guards that like want to play. And I definitely think Ty Lue sees the issue with the guard glut and how that's impacting someone like Terrence Mann. You know, if you... If you if you think about it, right, um, and include Terrence as a quote-unquote guard, that's five guards who we all come, have come to expect may need to play. But Terrence is the least accomplished of those guys, which means he, it's easier for Ty Lue to mess around with his minutes, DMP him this half, DMP him this game. That's something you can't do to John Wall. You can't do to Reggie Jackson. You de- you kept, you definitely can't do that to Norm Powell, who's on a $90 million contract. But you feel like you may be able to do that to uh, Terrence Mann. And I think... Um, as we lose these games and as we lose these shifts, um, the adjustments that need to be made, I think Ty will eventually make them. But, you know, these are more accomplished guys. And and so the only solution I think made that Ty may deem um, beneficial is to just let this let these guard units fail so that he can implement Terrence Mann. Maybe he goes away from one of those guards now because we're at the midway point of the year and an adjustment needs to be made. And so I think that's the thing with um with with Terrence and in regards to Zoo, I think Ty has always had a reluctance to lean into Zoo fully. And I think that is actually one of the things that scares me long term, because given the roster that we have now, I just don't think that we can afford to not play Zoo big minutes. Um, every every time we're every time we have these non-Zoo lineups, it's really like Russian roulette to me. Like, um, just visually, at least the eye test for me. Like, we we don't rebound well. 
um, our our wings are kind of like a bit slower than people realize. Like Rocco is going to get blown by. Marcus Morris is going to get blown by. Um, Kawhi Leonard is still not quite there on the defensive side of the ball, at least guarding in space. And, you know, I don't know if Ty Lue understands that. I mean, I'm sure he does. But um, for me, that's why I would like kind of lean more into Zoo. But um, maybe I don't know. I don't know, but I'm I, I have a bias against our small ball look. I'm I'm not a big fan of it at this point anymore. So I'm with you. I would I would be playing Zoo as many minutes as 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 he could handle. It's funny because small ball was so trendy back, and I've said this before with the death lineup with the Warriors, and it just feels like teams just try to go to small ball because they think, oh, we have a small ball lineup. That means that we're going to score more points, and so we're going to be better offensively but then you kind of neglect the rebounding you neglect the offensive glass and you just neglect having a big out there when the other teams around the nba have really freaking good bigs you look at miami with bam you look at the next opponent with denver and Jokic. i mean a lot of these teams have good skilled bigs now the clippers don't have that type of bam Jokic guy but they have a guy in zoo who can defend those types of dudes so it just feels like the Clippers need to start leaning into Zoo, understanding that, hey, he may not be that huge offensive threat that those guys are, but he's going to help neutralize a little bit on the defensive end what those guys do offensively, and he'll rebound the basketball, which means that the possessions are going to be one and done for your opponent, and you have a chance to get something on the offensive glass as well, because without him, you're giving something up on the offensive glass, and you're, you may give up offensive rebounds as well to the opponent. So it feels like they need to figure that out, and also, when it comes to team man, you talk about how you just got to let these lineups fail. I mean, at some point, you got to stop doing that and just figure out what works. Because like I said at the start of the pod, you need to start winning games. I mean, the West is way too bunch to be throwing games away because you're experimenting and you're letting something fail. Like, you got to figure it out and make it work ASAP because when you look, you're going to have the end of the season. And so you got to figure it out sooner rather than later. That's definitely, I mean, ideal, right? Um, but what I, what I would what I would say to that is just this is how Tyloo has always been. Um, you know, he's always been someone who uh, I'm not gonna say disregards the regular season, but he doesn't put as much importance on it as I would like. Um, and so part of this is just the Tyloo experience, um, and. And he's kind of like late to react to certain things as he gathers enough visual and data, visual evidence and data to make certain adjustments. And so, I'm 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 almost certain that um, there's an eternal that's there's an in, internal number that the Clippers have hit or will hit soon as far as what they're getting a look at with these three and four guard lineups before they start to make certain adjustments and. And that adjustment in terms of like getting going away from a three guard lineups and keeping away from those four guard lineups will have um, positive effects for for the rest of the roster. But I, I just think this is part of like the Tyloo experience, unfortunately. And, you know, it may cost us some seating. It may cost us some seating. Um, I went on record, by the way, to say that we wouldn't we would finish anywhere from four to seven 
I didn't think I thought because of the Kawhi Leonard um, experience from the start of the year, um, how that kind of pushed put us behind the eight ball a bit. I think that kind of costs us and we're still trying to recover from that. And um, that to me is like that kind of is kind of keeping us from like finishing in that top three. I mean, we certainly could, but I just think that um, it, it take a lot. It take a lot. And like, we're not, we're not as close. We're not as close as we'd like to be. Yeah. Listen, I mean, you look around the NBA today and the thunder beat the Celtics one fifty to one seventeen. So it's like, yeah, I was watching that. Yeah. yeah I mean like shit happens. Like, games, obviously you lose certain games. It just feels like the process right now is the issue mm-hmm. right now for the Clippers is that mm-hmm. the, is the, mm-hmm. the process is what we're trying to figure out and what makes the most sense for this team. And you just wonder um, how long it's going to take until the Clippers start playing guys they need to play. And also, will they make a move? I mean, they do tend to make big moves at the deadline. So the question is, will they make a move? And I mean, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you look at yesterday's game and it's just it's PG with 25 points and then not much else. I mean, without Kawhi on this lineup, this team is not good enough. And without with just Kawhi, this team's not going to be good enough. Like you need to have Kawhi and PG. And so we can talk all we want about the other pieces, which we've done on this podcast. But until Kawhi and PG are on the floor together, it truly doesn't matter going forward in the postseason because this team's not going to do anything in the postseason unless both these guys are healthy. I mean, they're these te- other teams in the West are too stacked. So it's just about getting these guys healthy. But at the same time, like, it's frustrating when you run up a game, when you come back like they did yesterday and they outscore Miami by 20 in the third quarter and then just blow it because you don't play guys like Terrence Mann and you don't play Zoo at certain times. It, it It's just frustrating from a fan's point of view. And I think that's the biggest thing in the last couple of years, Justin, is that it's just frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating to see Kawhi go out in the middle of a playoff series. It's frustrating to see Paul George pick up COVID in an elimination game in the play-in tournament. Like, it's frustrating now to see PG get hurt again. It's just, it's tough, and it's really unlucky as a Clipper fan just to continue to see this happen to your team, you know? Yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's It's frustrating. I think the... The blessing here is that the nobody in the West has looked like a juggernaut. So if we are healthy at the right time and we get at least a 10, 12 game runway before getting into the playoffs and we stay away from the play in, um, I still very much like our chances this year, um, more so than just probably any other year, not because we're that great, but because the West overall has been so um, mediocre. So I, I, I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater yet, but as you, as you said, you said it's, you hit, you said it perfectly. Um, it's the process right now. Um, and, and you can actually, you can actually see some of the glimpses of how good this team actually is. Like the way we started the third quarter against Boston, Mm -hmm. um, just completely just, their their A team was out there and our starters were out there and we completely just smashed them to get back into the game. Um the way we started the third quarter yesterday, um we were down 21 going into the second half and completely erased that lead with one quarter and Kawhi Leonard didn't even play. So there's definitely glimpses here of where we could be and Kawhi Leonard is looking great, Paul George is looking great. 
And so we're right there. We're right there. And I think that's the frustrating part as we sit on January 3rd, 2022, is that some of these losses feel like process losses where if we could just start the fourth quarter just a little bit bigger from a size perspective, we probably beat Indiana. We may have beat Boston um, and we may have even beat um Miami. Miami may be a different story because of um, Kawhi Leonard not playing and Paul George injuring his hamstring at the end of the third quarter. But nevertheless, these all feel like process losses and that tie isn't doing isn't isn't coaching um, to the team's fullest potential. But I like I said, in my opinion, it's it probably has more to do with having to see certain things fail so that he can bench certain guys without it you know fracturing the locker room like you can't say you you you, he doesn't want to bench someone too early he'd rather bench them to the point where like they can't say anything because the data the data shows how bad it's been the record is what it is and so he won't have any pushback and that's you know, that's part of managing a locker room. And that's something that a lot of fans don't digest, but that's part of being a coach. And it kind of feels like we got to have that point be sooner rather than later. Right. And because the Clippers only have 21 games after the all-star break. So if mm-hmm. you're going to go ahead and pull the plug on certain rotations and certain guys, it feels like it needs to happen soon. Is there a certain date or like part in the schedule where you'd like to see that happen? Um, I mean, obviously, we'd like to see it happen now, but a realistic timeline, do you think that makes sense for him to pull the plug on certain experiments? In in my opinion, I think, you know, we're, we're about to reach the halfway point of the regular season. And so I, I, I would I would guess that we're reaching that point soon. And so, like, you know, within like the next week, week and a half or so, um, especially if things continue the way that they are, I would not be shocked if like someone like say John Wall was like just DNP'd for like a game or two and or or like a five game stretch. Honestly, I think that's coming in my if I don't know if that would be considered a hot take, but um certain adjustments such as that I think are like right around the corner as we reach the halfway point of the regular season for sure. Yeah, I wonder how long it's going to take and when it does happen because you would think that it's got to happen sooner rather than later because time is – it's not running out yet. I mean, you've played 39 games um, and you play 82, so you're you're not halfway through your schedule yet, but you're getting there. I mean, you're only Mm -hmm. three games away from being halfway through, Um, but I I think the next couple of games are going to be really difficult. I mean, I don't know how this team – beats Denver at Denver without PG. And, I mean, even Kawhi may come back. I mean, he's got a non-COVID illness, so my guess is it's something like the flu. And he, I mean, we've seen that around the league with guys who have been out for a couple of days with a non-COVID illness. It's just, you, I don't know if you can beat Denver when you have Jokic and Murray and Porter and even KCP and Bruce Brown. Like, that's a freaking good team. And then the next night you play at Minnesota. So you wonder if they hold Kawhi out at Denver and then let him play at Minnesota. Um, I don't know. It's because this is a really tough part of the schedule when you have to play Denver, Atlanta, Dallas, and then Denver again in four of the next five games. It's, uh, I, it's, it, we could be at a point mid January, Justin, where it feels like we're kind of in panic mode um, after these next five games. I mean, if the goal is to finish as a top three seed and a 
definitely finish as a top four seed to get home court in the first round. Yeah. Um, I think there, I think panic mode is now like, to be quite honest with you, um, you can't with, we've already blown too many, um, games, um, to this point, And we have the toughest schedule in the league from here on out. So, um, maybe panic is not the right word, but the sense of urgency needs to be real. The time, the time is now. And, you know, it is my hope that with you, you name, you name the tough opponents that we have ahead here. Um, maybe that's what Ty Lu needs to get serious as far as like, okay, I can't fuck around here. Like these, these, these games are like back to back. Minnesota is going to be a tough game when you're on the road, um, in a back to back and Denver playing in Denver is tough. And then I, and Dallas is like on the horizon and Atlanta's on the horizon. So like, these are, these are not easy gimme games by any stretch of the imagination. So I think this may be what Ty needs to start coaching with a higher level of urgency. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and I think we'll benefit from that. I really, I really do think that, um, this type, this part of the schedule is where things start to get a little bit more serious and the urgency picks up. I like that optimism. And that's where we'll end with this one. Justin Wilson at LA Clippers film on Twitter. He is at the games. He's breaking down games. He's always posting highlights of stuff that he sees. And he is one of the best follows on Twitter and a great human being as well. Justin, always great having you on my guy. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for like constantly giving me the platform. I I really do appreciate it. And I truly do think like within the next week, we'll start to see um, some adjustments to the rotation and hopefully those adjustments lead to more wins, but we got a long season. We still got over half a season to go. So plenty of room to, um, to get better. Yes, indeed. We still have more than half a season. I think 44 games, if I'm doing my math correctly. So still got some time. Justin Wilson at LA Clippers film. I'm at BD Marcus on Twitter. Of course, the ethos Clippers handle as well. Always see the podcast tweet out from there. And of course, ours as well. And then if you can rate and review the podcast, always appreciate it. So always great having Justin on. Let's hope the Clippers can get back on track. And it starts in just two days, probably one day by the time you're listening to this, against Denver at Denver in a back-to-back. My guess is we won't see PG for a little while. And hopefully Kawhi gets back sooner rather than later. So hopefully good vibes, Justin, around Clipper Nation over these next couple of weeks. We're looking for good vibes, my guy. As always, good vibes. Keep the vibes high and the winds will follow, baby. Yes, sir. Until next time, he's Justin. I'm Brandon. And go Clips.